You are listening to the MZBC Students Greenhouse Podcast. For more information about Mount Zion Baptist Church, go to mzbc.net slash students or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at mzbcstudents. Man, it's not just another greenhouse for me because, um, well, I'll tell you why in just a minute. Uh, so I think I think a lot of you may know what's what's going on with my wife and I, my family, and um, but some of you may not. And so uh, tonight I want to talk to you a little bit about what's going on in in our world, um, but I really want to talk to you about the person of Jesus and what he's worth, um, because uh, those of you in the room who are believers who've trusted your life to Christ, um, you've made some statements about Jesus. You've, you've, you've said some things about him. If, you, if, you're, if you're in the room and you're saying, yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I've trusted Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. Yes, I've been saved by him. Then, then that has some, some massive implications. What that, what that says is, is, is a few things. It says this, that, that one, that you believe the God of the universe actually exists, that he's actually there. Which means that there is a standard of perfection, like there is a perfect, holy God, and, and that, that he is, is true and real. And that, and that also means that you know that you've fallen short of that standard. If you've trusted your life to him, that, that means that you've, you've acknowledged his, his reality, acknowledged how sinful and messed up you are before him. And you've also acknowledged the fact that he loved you so perfectly, so completely, so fully, that he was willing to come for you. To, to leave heaven, to come here for you, to rescue you out of your sin and literally die on a cross in your place, to die your death, and that he has, he has given you everything that you need to be in this perfect relationship with him. You've, what do that mean? If you say, I've, I've, I've trusted Jesus as my Savior, yes, I'm a Christian, then you've found something so incredibly good, something so incredibly powerful, so, so much, something so incredibly high and, and exalted above everything else that we could possibly know that it's, it's, it's literally... Um, beyond understanding. And then when we committed our lives, those of you in the room with like me who are Christians, we committed our lives to follow this Jesus, to say he is worth everything. He counted me valuable. He counted me worth dying for. And so I'm going to follow him with every aspect of my life. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to run after the person of Jesus. Not the other people, not the other people, not the other things, not all the other things in the world that, that everybody tells us to chase after. I'm not. I'm going to go after him. I'm going to go after Jesus. And when we say those kind of things, we sing those kind of songs, uh, like Jesus, lead me out on the waters, right? Like, lead, like we sing oceans. I love some oceans. Every, every time I tear up, right? Like we sing these, these things, these make these statements about what we will do. God, because of my faith in you, because of my trust in you, I will literally, I will do anything you call me to do. I will, I'll do whatever it takes. And that makes a lot of sense when you're standing in this room or you're standing in junior high greenhouse and you're looking at a screen and it says, that's what we're going to do. And you're like, that sounds awesome. And that like guitar solo was sick. So like, yeah, I'm down. I'll say, I'll say that. But then there's these moments when, when God um, invites you in to do something um, radical, to do something that uh, maybe your friends don't understand or even support, maybe your parents, maybe maybe you're like, I don't know, like, well, I don't know, man, but it just seems crazy, like Old Testament kind of crazy, like, like disciples of Jesus kind of crazy, like rushing back into Jerusalem to tell more people about Jesus, knowing what, what might happen. 
laying down your life for the kingdom, that kind of stuff. When Jesus asks you to do that and you have to step out and do those things, um, the things that we sing have to become true. Uh, that's where my family is. You know, so I've, I've, I've preached in almost probably, I've probably around 400 greenhouses, um, which has been one of the, the greatest blessings of my life uh, to get to be a part of those 400 plus greenhouses. And one of the common themes during all of those times has been this, this challenge to challenge teenagers to give up everything the world offers you. This fake fulfillment, this fake success, this fake life that we can Instagram and look cute or whatever. Like To give up all of that for something just so precious, so valuable. A relationship, like a, a, a life-on-life relationship with Jesus Christ. So I've been challenging people for nine years here in this room and over in junior high greenhouse, challenging people to give up everything else and chase after Jesus. Um, in the last couple of years, God has been uh, doing something in us, and then there's been this kind of stirring in our hearts. And every time I've challenged you to do that, every time I've challenged you, like, what is God calling you to do? Are you willing to do whatever it takes to follow Christ well? Are you willing to not just to kind of take this nice stroll after Jesus, but are you ready to run hard after Christ? And, like, you guys are like, yeah, let's do that. And you do, and you tell these stories about going back into your schools and going back into your families sometimes and going to your friends and sharing the love of Christ with people and sometimes getting rejected and sometimes taking some licks for that. But you go because the power of Christ compels you to. And I've watched you time and time again go back out and be the people of God, live recklessly for the kingdom. And I'd see that and I'd I'd challenge you to do that and I'd I'd hear the stories of you actually doing it and there'd be this stirring in my soul. I know what to do with that. And there's going to be moments when that happens in your life when you just feel like God is doing something but you don't quite know what it is yet. And so the only thing you can do in those moments is to pray. And so we've been praying. God, what do, you, what do you want us to do? God, we've, we've committed our lives to you. We've committed our families to you. Like, we're for you. Like, whatever it is, if you just make it clear, if you tell us what to do, we'll do whatever it is. Just make it clear. And so for a couple of years, we've been praying that. Um, we've prayed, God, we'll go anywhere you want us to go. We'll do anything you want us to do. And we'll stay if you'll let us stay. Because we love it here. I mean, I, I absolutely love doing what I get to do and walking with you and, and seeing, seeing you uh, transition out of, of, of high school and make it over into college. And I'm, I'm like doing weddings for former people who like sat in here as ninth graders and, you know, whatever. And now I'm like doing their wedding ceremonies, which is super like, weird and gross, by the way. But like we, we do that now. Um, and, uh, and God willing, we'll get to be a part of some of that stuff with you. For those years, man, we've been praying and saying, God, we'll go where he wants to go. We'll stay where he wants to stay. You make it clear, we'll do it. I don't care what it is. I don't care what it costs. We want to do what we've been challenging teenagers to do. I want to do what I've been challenging you to do. And so back in May, God began to make that clear. Um, He put us around these other people who are doing similar things. And and really what has happened is that God has called us uh, to, to plant a church which I don't, even, I don't even know how to do that. But like God's called us to plant a church. Um, he's called us to do that in Tuscaloosa, to be a light in the city of Tuscaloosa and on the campus of the University of Alabama, um, to try to do what we've gotten the chance to do here. 
to try to point people to Jesus and challenge them to live well for Christ and to send them out to be the people of God all over the world. And so we're going to do what we've been doing here, but we're just going to do it there. And so tonight, I, I wanted you to know that. And so um, we'll talk about timeline and all that stuff later. But I wanted you to know what God's called me to do, um, what God's called my family to do. Uh, and I want you to know why. How many, how many of you were that kid when you were younger where you, had, like, you asked your parents why constantly? You're just that why kid. Why? 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 Right? I'm that kid. All right? I, I was totally that kid. How many of you are still that kid? Yeah. Hey, uh, you need to be home by 11. Why? Because nothing good happens after 11. Some totally awesome stuff happens after 11. It's called video games, and they happen until 4 o'clock in the morning. Thank you. Why? I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm not hurting anybody. Why? Explain it to me. Give me the why. I'm that guy. I don't like following rules. I don't like doing what anybody tells me to do, and I never have, and I probably never will. I operate on why. And if you operate on why, then I want you to understand why. Because I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to move my family. I'm not going to leave this with, with goodness. Man, I'm not going to leave this unless there is a compelling why. So I want you to know my why. And then you're going to have to deal with what that means for you. Not in church planting in Tuscaloosa, but in something. Because if you say what we say about Jesus, then what we say about Jesus compels us to be a certain kind of people. So let's look at let's look at the Word of God. So, in uh, in, in the book of Second Corinthians, in chapter five, verse eleven, it says this: It says, "Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. So what that means is saying, since we we know." We know God. We, we have, we, we've, we've met him. We understand the, the magnitude of, of the holy God of the universe and his love for us. Since we've met Jesus, we've seen his goodness, we've seen his glory, we've seen his holiness, we've tasted and seen that he is good and far and above everything else. Since we've, since we've seen the fear of the Lord, since we know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade others. We try to bring people along with us, right? That's what we talk about all the time. That's why you guys have been bringing people to Greenhouse and why you've been sharing with your friends and inviting them to come on trips with you. That's why a lot of you are Christians, because somebody found the goodness of God and wanted you to know about it too. They had the, they had the love in their heart towards you to, to want you to see the goodness of God, to want you to be rescued from your sin, to want you to get to spend eternity in a place called heaven. Instead of the alternative, they wanted you to see grace and love. It's available in Christ. And so somebody said, hey, you want to come to Greenhouse with me? And it took every ounce of courage in their body to do so, but they did it. And it paid eternal dividends. That's, so this is what it is. So we Christians, right? Like we know it is for the Lord, so we try to persuade others. But if you drop down to verse 14, it gives us our why. Why? Verse 14, it says, for Christ's love compels us. For Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all and therefore all died and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again let's go back through that again it says christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all that's Jesus. We are convinced that one person, Jesus Christ, actually died for all people. That if anybody would come to know him, if anyone with their faith and trust in him, that they too would be saved. We've come to know that one died for all. It says, and therefore all died. 
What that means is that if one had to die for you, if Jesus had to die for you, then you, then you were already dead. That all of us, every single one of us, were separated from God, that we didn't know him, that without him there was no hope for us, that we were going to spend eternity separated from God in a place called hell. That means that we've come to know and trust that. That without Jesus there's no hope. So we've come to know that one died for all, and therefore all had died. And he, he died for all. Jesus died for me and you. He, he died for us. That those who live, that's Christians, he did this so that, that Christians should no longer live for themselves, but for him. That Christians should no longer live for themselves, but for him. See, the, the, the driving force of a Christian's life is no longer themselves. That's really what separates us from the world. That's what separates you from everybody else that, that, um, in, the, in the way that you live your life. Your driving motivation, your why, is no longer you and your good. And if you're still living like that and you're still pursuing your good and your fulfillment and anything that feels good to you, then you're not living for Christ. And so having, having met this Jesus, having been convinced that he actually did die for us and that apart from him, all of us are going to spend eternity separated from God. In light of that, we don't live for ourselves anymore. We live for him and for his glory. And, and God's glory is shown when people come to trust him and follow him and love him back. So we don't, just, we don't, we don't live for ourselves anymore. We live for the glory of God by loving other people, by taking the message of the gospel to those who don't know it yet. Having found the fear of the Lord, we try to persuade others. For Christ's love compels us. And so we stand and we sing and we talk about Jesus and we sing these songs about the love of God. And, and the, what's, hap, what's supposed to happen is that that, that love that we, ha, we know we have from him, that love that Christians, that you have for him because of what he's done for you, that love has got to compel you to go take that message to as many people as possible. Because what we believe, what we say we believe, that apart from Christ, this is a lost and dying world. And the love of Christ has got to compel me and got to compel you to do anything and everything that we possibly can do to be a part of changing that to rush back in for one more. What we believe about Jesus compels, him, compels us to make him known. Our heartbeat, your heartbeat, my heartbeat, has to be to reach as many people as quickly as possible and as efficiently as possible. We have so much work to do. There's no time to waste. And so then we get to strategy. And so I've been thinking about this. I've been here with you for years thinking about this. Like, how can, we, how can we do a better job of reaching teenagers? There's still teenagers in your schools and on your teams that don't know Jesus yet. How can we do a better job of, of rushing back in for them so they can, too, know this hope and this, this restoration, this freedom in Jesus? How can we do a better job? So I started looking at Scripture, and you start you know, looking at what Jesus called his disciples to do. And it doesn't seem like rocket science when you say it, but like basically what Jesus told us to do was to divide and conquer, right? It wasn't to group up and hole up together and we're just going to, we're all going to stand together and make a tiny little knot and we're going to stay there together. And then every once in a while, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll be able to grab one more. No, he sent, he sent his disciples out, right? It's Matthew 28, 19. Like this is the great commission. Like this is the thing that we're called to do. It starts with the word What? Go. Just go. Go, go therefore, and, and, and make disciples. 
of all nations. So not just like go, to, like go, go next door and all the Christians group up right here and stay right here and, and reach the Christians right there next to you. He's like, no, 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 go, go, go and make disciples of, of all nations, all places, which means you have to go to all places. Go, 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 go. Like divide and conquer, like fan out. All right, fan out, tell everybody. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. And he promises, behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Christ's love compels us to go. To go. Sometimes to, to, to leave what's comfortable and what's familiar, what's easy, what's safe. Because the love of Christ compels us to rush back in after one more. I believe that. My wife believes that. We've dedicated our lives to that. Because we, we truly believe that Jesus um, died for us and is willing to die for, or has died, for every single person on the face of this planet. And that, 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 that love that he's shown us compels us to go. It also compels you to go. It's going to compel you in some points in your life to go and do some things that are far from comfortable, far from easy, and far from the things that make sense, whether that's career-wise or financially or whatever. He's going to call you to do some stuff that doesn't make any sense because he's called you to go. So we're going to go. And, and, and the reason why is because there's, there's strategy here. So, yeah, this, this thing that we're a part of, the student ministry here at Mount Zion, and Mount Zion in general is this incredible place where people can, can come and hear the gospel and they can be saved and they can be discipled and they can be sent. It's a powerful thing. And so what we're going to go do is try to just do that same thing just in an additional place. So there's going to be two of us doing the same thing. So my family's going to be doing the same thing you're doing. We're just going to be in Tuscaloosa doing it and you're going to be here doing it. We're going to be doing the same thing. So now we've got two of us, right? And on top of that, God's placed me in, in connection with this little network of, of churches that are on college campuses. And so there's two more of them. And so they're doing the same stuff too. And so one of them's over in Florence and one of them's here in Huntsville down on the campus of UAH. And I'm going to be in Tuscaloosa and you're going to be here. Now there's four of us. And there's four of us doing the same thing. And we're just trying to share the love of Christ with as many people as possible. And so there's other churches around doing the same thing. And that's the way the gospel works. That all, all around the world, there's people like us in different places going and sharing. And when you find a place where there's, there's not enough presence, there's not enough people there to go and share, then we go and we share. And so at the University of Alabama, there's 38,300 uh, college students right now. There's about four or 5,000 of them that are involved in a local church, which means there's about 33 or 34,000 of them that are not. 34,000 people is a lot of people. That makes Sparkman look stupid. 34,000. 34,000. Every year, almost 10,000 people arrive on that campus, and six or 8,000 of those people are going to be lost. They're not going to know Jesus. Six or 8,000. And so we're going to go. Because the love of Christ compels us to. And so God's made that clear for us. He's, he's never made anything more clear to me in my entire life. And so here's what I want to ask you. Do you believe that Jesus died for you? Do you really believe that? Do you, do you believe that, um, that without Jesus, there's billions of people around the world who are separated from God? 
Do, do you believe that, that, that Jesus has given us a mandate to go and to, to share the word, like to go and share the good news of Jesus with as many people as possible? Do you believe that? It's my question tonight. For every adult, for every teenager, what does the love of Christ compel you to do? What's the love of Christ compelling you to do? I have no idea what that is. No idea. But I tell you what God does. And he has people in mind for you right now. I'm not talking about seven years from now. I'm talking about right now, this summer. And then maybe, yeah, maybe in your, in, when you're in your college years. Yeah, maybe in your career path. What, what, at each of those stages. Like, but, but right now, like, what is the love of Christ compelling you to do? How can you be a part of that great commission in a way that's not safe, in a way that doesn't make sense, in a way that does require faith? How can you be a part of what God's doing here and around the world? What's the love of Christ compel you to do? I want to pray for you, and then JJ's going to come, and he's going to tell some instructions. So, Father, I love you. I'm so thankful that you've um, sent your son for, for people like me, um, and, and God, I pray for this group of people that... Uh, that you would send us out um, to our schools, to our teams, to our homes, to nations wrapping all around the world, to dark places around our country, to dark places around the globe. God, I pray that you would give us clarity about what the gospel compels each one of us to do and that you would not let us rest until we're obedient to those things. Your sons, I pray. Amen.